welcome again to episode 28 of Our Brooklyn Bites. It is the week of April 15th. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. And it is also tax day. So (laughs) I hope you paid your taxes. Yeah. Yeah, that's all taken care of on my end. Very good. (laughs) We're not going to talk about tax avoiders like some people will be, I'm sure. Isn't it an Atari game? Exactly. (laughs) Yep. So but, what have you been up to? Anything good or uh, bad? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been playing some uh, some games. Um, I, uh, I I talked a little bit about that Echo Knight game last time. Yeah, how'd and, that go? Well, I, uh, it's, I'm still working on it. It's how it went. <laughs> it's still, yeah? <laughs> so I'll get back we'll to that. We'll just take a break on it? Uh, well, no, I'm not to, I'm, 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 you know, it's still in the, in the cooker. It's okay. Still, it's still percolating. So, uh, you didn't delete that file yet, that ISO from your hard drive? Uh, when, no, no. When I'm done with it, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wrap up what my final thoughts on that game are. Cool. I'm still curious, so mm-hmm. hopefully soon we'll know something. Yeah, so in the meantime, though, I did play something else. Yeah. And, um... I don't know if you want to talk about your stuff first, or if you want me to talk about my stuff. I played a game that's very similar to an old NES game. Oh, really? Called Metroid. I've heard of this game. So, I didn't play Metroid. I played Axiom Verge for the PS4. Wow. That's a brand new game. I haven't heard of it. Yeah, Yeah. I know. It's not like me to play, like, brand new games, like, straight off, you know. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's a download-only game. I, I think it was it's it's the it's the newest game in like Sony's whatever they were calling it their spring fling or yeah they, I mean like Microsoft used to do the like indie games of summer thing summer of arcade yeah, yeah that right mm-hmm. so this is kind of like Sony's equivalent so every week they're releasing a new sort of big indie game I and mean, some of them are like they did Metal Slug I think two weeks ago they did Bastion I think last week yeah it was Metal Slug three maybe or this um, I think that's what it was yeah yeah mm-hmm. um. And they did mix some new ones. So now they have, they did Axiom Verge, I think, last week. They have Titan Souls coming up, I think it right, is. Right, yeah, yeah. And then the big one, which is Shovel Knight, that, that's supposed to end it. Right. So That, that, that whole string. I, I've been now, Axiom Verge, I've been looking forward to for almost a year now. Mm. I've heard about this game and seen some video of it. Do you know anything about it? Uh, I've seen, I've seen, like, some gameplay and a couple of... You know, like maybe some some walkthroughs with the developer mm. during um, the most recent GDC. I think there was some oh, coverage. Okay. Um, but yeah, it looked good. I mean, I, I I don't think I've been aware of it as long as you have. I think I've just been kind of oh, this looks good. I want to check this out mm. when it comes out. And I noticed it. You know, it did it finally did come out last week and uh, was on sale because of the you know it was like a ten percent launch yeah, launch discount. discount. Uh huh. So I was thinking about picking it up, and then I think it slipped past me. I think mm. the, the sale ended before I noticed that it was going to end. Yeah, that's too bad. But you did grab it. I did. Yeah, yeah. It's So it's if you've played Metroid, I'm going to say that if you're a fan of the original 8-bit Metroid, mm-hmm. this is the closest you're going to get to a true sequel to Metroid. Wow. And I say true sequel because the Super Nintendo Metroid, which is the, the sequel to the original... Is kind of, I mean, it, yeah, obviously it's a, it's a sequel because it's the same character, but the gameplay is a very um, more refined mm-hmm. in the Super Nintendo version. You get a map, 
the, um, you know, it's less tile-based looking, and it's just graphically more impressive. This game, Axiom Verge, is based, like, on the original play mechanics. Right. Um, it's basically, uh, you're the scientist, and uh, you're just, an explosion happens, and it's all, like, uh, pixel style, mm-hmm. pixel graphics. And uh, there's an explosion in the in his uh, base, and you wake up finding yourself on this weird, like planet thing, mm-hmm. this weird, uh, you know, area. So I don't want to try. I don't want to give away too much because a lot of this game is ex- exploration. Right. It's um, like some people call these Metroidvania games. I wouldn't even say it's Metroidvania. It's Metroid. <laughs> like this is Metroid, and it's a big difference because uh, this one they don't tell you like anything basically you're you're basically 100 percent exploring they don't tell you what the weapons are they don't tell you how to get past anything they don't tell you where to go you have a map that um opens up as you get to new areas you know as you discover like blocks on the map they Mm -hmm. light up but they don't tell you like oh there's a secret in here or there's missiles in this room like it doesn't say anything like that so um you know the downside is because it doesn't track anything and it doesn't tell you where like other than where the save points and the bosses are so when you get to like a save point room it'll turn blue mm-hmm. and that's how you know what well, so when you need to save your game you can always backtrack you know which way to go hmm. but um you know it's completely 8-bit looking uh they they took like that art style from metroid of like the very simplistic monochromatic backgrounds like um the tile-based sprites right and uh, they added a little twist because, you know, technology is a little better on the PS4. So, of course, you don't get the flicker or any of that mm-hmm. nonsense. However, they they kind of borrow some of that stuff. So, rather than having, like, flicker, um, they have intentional kind of glitches in the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, sometimes you'll be on the screen and you'll see, like, a background graphic kind of glitch. And you have this item called the glitch gun that you can use and zap it. And maybe when you zap that glitch, it'll turn into um, a hidden door or um, a wall that maybe is not there before or something. Hmm. So you have like stuff like that scattered throughout the game. I like this idea, though. I like I like the concept of taking the aesthetic of an older type of game, but leveraging the the technology to, to you know to use it more of like yeah. as a stylized way to present uh, the game. And then still, like, put a lo- another layer of, like, maybe more modern effects and, like, you know. Because, I mean, like, even when stuff blows up in the game, you see kind of, like, a little more detail or a little more flourish than you would get. Yeah, it has, like, that, the particle effects, mm-hmm. which you can never do on an NES. Right. So, yeah, they definitely will take... But it, it's done in a way where it still feels, like, kind of retro. Mm-hmm. And it's done really well. Yeah, like, if somehow the NES somehow became magically, like, a 64-bit system. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like it's, like, the original 8-bit Metroid, but if they made, like, a true 16-bit version of the original Metroid, this mm-hmm. is, like, kind of what it would be like. Um, and, like, if you play the original Metroid, now, you have no... You never played the original Metroid. You may have seen, like, pictures of it, probably, in video. Uh, yeah, I played, um, I played whatever the, the conversion on GBA was. I guess. Um, okay. Yeah, I didn't play that one. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, did I play that one? I don't remember. Hmm. I don't think so. I think I skipped over and I went... The GBA one is the one. I th- Zero Mission or whatever the two G- GBA ones yeah, were. Yeah, I, I only played the first one. Okay. On GBA. There was a black and white one, which is probably the the first sequel, actually. Uh-huh. No, I didn't play that one. Um, yeah, I don't think... I think I skipped over that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But uh, so this one, you know, fusion, I guess. Fusion. That's Which on G B A. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Okay, those are good. Those are really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of the Metroid game. So that's why I was looking forward to this one. Um, you start off with no items, mm-hmm. and so you're basically you have no weapons, nothing, um, and kind of similar to the first Metroid game. You know, you walk to your left, and you get the first ball that. Um, you know, when you get it, it tells you what the weapon is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you get you start off with a gun then, and then you start getting a drill to the drill through bricks. And then you get other weapons. I don't want to spoil it because <laughs> these weapons kind of give away how to get past certain parts in the game. So, like the original Metroid, you're going to get to certain scenes where you can't cross or you can't act. You'll see something, like, in the distance, and you'll be like, oh, you know, I, how do I make that jump, you know, or how do I open this door? And because you don't have the right weapon at the right time, you know, then that's probably not the way you have to go, usually. Yeah, that seems typical for those this type of game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this, gives, this gives you no indication of where to, where to go or what to do. So, um, like the first game, you know, a lot of stuff you're going to do in this game is go from room to room and just look for secrets. Mm-hmm. Try to find, like, hidden doors. Um, try to find out where you're going, just random walking around. So you're going to spend a lot of time just like wandering around looking for where, like what your next mission is. Um, it's split up into, I think six areas. Each area has a boss in it. Mm -hmm. And like the original Metroid game, when you're in a room near a boss, you hear them breathing like that breathing sound (laughs) and the music stops. So, you know, like, okay, the next room is the boss. I should save. And there's usually uh, a save room right there, too. Were you intimidated by that? Did you... uh... In the first game, um, no, but it was kind of cool. Like, when Mm -hmm. you got to that scene, you were like, all right, I'm, like, in the right spot, you know, because you you hear a boss. Cool, yeah. Um, The music also is... uh, It starts off very um, original Metroid style of that sort of, like, um, chiptune music. Mm -hmm. But as you get further in, it starts adding a little bit more elements um, there's one board, I think it's the area called Kur, K-U-R. Um, they added this really irritating female vocal <laughs> that's kind of like chopped up. It's sort of this weird like auto-tune chop-up sound, um, like very Middle Eastern sort of. It reminds me of like the old Dead Can Dance. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just like this girl singing and it's really annoying. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's a level that you do a lot too. You're on there quite a bit. And her voice is very, like, piercing, and it gets on my nerves. I wish they would have taken that out. Hmm. But otherwise, the music's pretty good, I have to say. Um, I don't want to give away too much. So um, I will say that there's a lot of secrets in the game. And I I don't even want to mention weapons, because part of the fun of this game is discovering a weapon that you didn't know you could get. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it's a little different from the original game. Like, you don't morph into a ball... You know, there's no screw attack. There's no, um, you don't kind of, you don't get missiles like the other game. So uh, I'll leave it up to the person to kind of figure all this out if you decide to play this. Hmm. Um, yeah, so the bosses, they take up like the whole screen. Sometimes they're like two screen high. <laughs> they're really huge. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I saw, some, I saw one of them. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting design. They, they also added a mode called the speed run mode. So you could play the game, and it's set up for speed runs. So um, a lot of the game in this, a lot of this, if you play the regular normal version of the game, it has the procedurally generated um, enemies. Mm-hmm. I think it's called. So um, so you're never going to have the same enemies like twice in the same rooms and stuff. 
So that's hard to do for speedruns. So the guy, the programmer, Thomas Happ, he's only one guy who made this game, yeah, by the way. It's pretty awesome. He did everything. Music and everything, apparently. Mm-hmm. So uh, he set up the speedrun mode where it'll give you the timer on the screen. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take out the cutscenes. Um, you can choose your difficulty. And it's also going to take away the procedural generated stuff, the random stuff. So you know, you'll always know, like, the boss is going to be in this certain spot. The enemy is always going to be in this certain spot in the room. Hmm. So it's a different way to play it. I haven't tried that mode yet. Um, I don't know if I will. It's not really my... I don't really do speedrun stuff, but... Right. It's kind of cool that they added that in there. And when you've loaded it up, it even says, like, you know, when you start the game, just press... All you have to do is press your share button on your PlayStation 4 controller. Mm-hmm. And then you can start sharing this. Um, so that's kind of my uh, summary of the game overall. Um, it's I'd say it's excellent. Some of the parts about it I didn't like was... Uh, I didn't like the fact that you are uh, thrown into this world where um, they don't tell you anything to do. I mean, part of... Part of the, I mean, the original Metroid game was good, but I felt like, and at the time especially, there was like nothing on the market like it. Mm-hmm. It was such a great game. But then when Super Metroid came out and, you know, all the other GBA Metroid games, I felt like, all right, they took that original Metroid concept and now this is what Metroid games should be like. Like, they, they refined it and the stuff that was annoying about the first game that, you know, I felt like this was what... The, the, the Metroidvania kind of concept went uh-huh. to. Like, the original ones were kind of, like, just, like, like explo- you know, like, more, like, experimental games to figure out what the genre or the yeah. game style should be. Yeah, I don't think it knew yet. Mm-hmm. So, and I, but, I, and, and so that's where this game comes in, where it still follows that original formula of, like, not giving you any hints, no secrets, you don't know where to go. Um, there's stuff that's not even in English that, you know, you don't even know what to do with it. And I'm not even going to say, you know, what the point of that stuff is, but, um, it's stuff like that, you know, like sometimes you're just walking and then maybe the screen's going to glitch out and you're in this weird, like minus world, you know, and they don't tell you anything about that stuff. Like it's all up for interpretation and, you know, maybe there's like a wall that you can walk through that you don't even know. So you have to just like explore every single nook and cranny. So mm-hmm. stuff like that gets a little bit tedious because it's just a lot of randomness and, you know, I guess you have to like it. I guess yeah, you, you have like to that, you that really, element of the gameplay. It is a lot of time. And the most annoying part was for me, um, going to like one part of the map thinking this is where I have to go, but not knowing for sure if this is the right way because it's like a weird jump or it's like a tiny space. And it's like, well, I don't really know if I can, but can I? I don't know. So you end up like backtracking to see, well, maybe I missed a weapon. And you go back and you spend all this time running back because there's no like warp zones or anything. And then you find out, well, no, I think I got everything. I don't know. So you go back again. It's just a lot of like wandering back and forth. Mm -hmm. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I didn't. You don't remember. Um, there's no way to map, you know, make marks on your map to know, um, this is where I found this, this is where I got this, so... Because you're going to have to keep uh, offline Yeah, notes. I mean, like, when I played the original Metroid, there was no map at all, which was even worse. Hmm. So I used to keep scrap paper, and I would write on the on the paper, this is where I found missiles, this is where I found, you know, the morph ball, or whatever it was. So, um, I, I probably should have done that when I was playing this. I didn't know it was going to be this complicated. You didn't complicated. expect you would have to do that. I didn't think so. Like, I thought, like... Those kind of ideas were not, you know, we, we've gone past those things. So. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure people love that aspect of the game, though. So what 
one person might like not like the other person might mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um the other thing was that that vocal effect in that in that music soundtrack is very very annoying and um another complaint of the colors they chose which uh, I understand, like, they were going for the original Metroid vibe, but the original Metroid game had basically a black background, mm-hmm. and your monochromatic, you know, graphics kind of, like, were easy to... You can tell, like, where the enemies were on the the, the board, um, you know, when you're climbing vertically or horizontally, you know, it was kind of easy to tell. In this game, they kept with that two-color scheme, sort of, three colors, but everything is sort of blends together, so sometimes you're moving around and you can like miss an enemy or it's just hard to see and it gets kind of confusing. I felt anyway. Hmm. So minor, I would say minor complaint. It's not a big complaint. Definitely not a deal breaker. <laughs> okay. So uh, I did beat the game. Um, it took me my first run through. No cheats. I didn't cheat at all. It took me 13 hours. Wow. I don't know if that's good or bad. I have no idea. I didn't. I didn't think it would be such a long game, but that, I didn't think that so sounds either. like a lot. I know it is a lot, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't get a hundred percent in everything. I ended up with ninety-four percent of the map and seventy-eight percent of all items. Mm-hmm. So I actually missed some some stuff still, even though I was able to beat it. So um, after I beat it, I did end up finding someone who uh, has a map online. So I compared my, I was comparing my notes mm-hmm. to see like, well, what did I, where did I go? What did I miss? And, uh, I noticed some secret rooms that I missed and some other things. I don't want to give away too much, but, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to hundred percent everything. Cause after you beat the game, it gives you the option of going back into, you know, just finding everything and then beating the game again. So you get like the full complete ending. So... Uh, I don't know. Overall, though, I would say this is a, a great game if you like the original Metroid. Mm-hmm. If you were the type to not get kind of get frustrated by it, um, then you probably will hate this game. <laughs> I don't think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know if I could go back and play the original Metroid now. It's just, it to me, it just feels like a little bit too outdated and time consuming. Like, I felt like a lot of those things, I don't know, kind of got back from. But this one, it adds enough variety to it, which is, you know, I think a quality game. Um, so yeah, I would definitely definitely pick it up if you're into that style of gameplay. I'm uh, I'm gonna keep it on my wish list, and hopefully it'll go on sale again. At some yeah, point. I don't know. I mean, twenty dollars is a little expensive, I guess. But it sounds like it's a lot of game. It's well, I mean, uh, I did thirteen hours. I've mm-hmm. heard people may take a little bit longer to get a hundred percent. It's probably going to take twenty. I'm going to say, just because you have to spend a lot of time running around, going back and forth. Um, and then there's the speed runs, you know. So that adds a whole nother level to your game. So it's definitely getting a lot of, for your money. Mm. Right. Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned like having you know, you know whether you would go back and play the original again. Yeah. I mean. Like it, like I think the other Game Boy Advance game was a remake of the first game, like Zero Mission. It yes, was the it, second game it was it is, like basically yeah. a remake of the first game, but with the improvements right. of Super Metroid. Yes, and yeah, so I like that version a lot better mm-hmm. because it adds like it gets rid of that tile based stuff, so it's things are a little bit easier to see. You know where your hints are, and it adds the map, and the map is like a huge mm-hmm. improvement. So, um, I don't know. So this slots in well with that series if you want to think of it as... 
yeah, a spiritual think of it, sequel. I would say, yeah. I mean, even the animations are very similar to Metroid. Mm-hmm. So I would say it fits in. I would think of it as like Metroid 2 or 2.5, I would say. Cool. That's where it fits in in my book. Yeah, cool stuff. Retro stuff. Very nice. In 2015. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. This guy, it took him like three years to make this game. Maybe more. I think he started in 2013, right? 2010 or something like that. I don't know. Some crazy name. There's one guy working on it. Okay. But I'm like, I didn't believe it. And then I'm watching the credits. And it's like, yeah, just like. He did it all. He's like, yeah, I made this with Photoshop, SoundForge, and like some Sony tools that they gave him. Mm. So right now this isn't a PS4 exclusive, I guess? Yeah, it is coming out to Steam, I heard. Mm-hmm. But I think next month, maybe. And maybe trickling over to uh, Vita. Well, Vita's definite. That's coming. Mm. And then it'll be a cross-buy once it comes out on Vita. And then, um, I think Xbox One, possibly. I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Very nice. Yep. All right, so I've got some options with that. Yeah. And so, so is this, was this the majority of your gameplay time? Yeah, yeah, that took away a lot of my time. <laughs> <laughs> 13 hours is kind of a lot for me to play in one week. For a week, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty good haul. Um, well, I guess I can get into what I played. Um, I, I, this is sort of a continuation of my my Disney platformer obsession, which is, again, odd. I, I consider it odd considering I'm not I, a Disney I, fan. Yeah, I was going to say, I had no idea you went to Disney. <laughs> I'm really not, but I just know that these are supposed to be good games. So I figure, I, I, I do like platformers in general. Mm-hmm. So why not indulge? Um, you know, it shouldn't be just that I'm about, you know, a fan of the particular subject of it all. Um, so I decided to dive into, uh, you know, DuckTales Remastered. This is, I guess, the the uh, 2013 remake of um, the original NES game. Um, and I guess this is a little different from Castle of Illusion, the, the modern Castle of Illusion that was released, in the mm-hmm. sense that you know, that game was more of an inspiration, you know, it used the original game as an inspiration it was, or sort of a launching point. There were several elements of the original game that were in the new one, but it is kind of its own game. I think this one is more of a straight, straight up remake of, of the original game um, in terms of, you know, uh, what type of game it is and the play mechanics and the layout and the levels and so on. Um... So I guess the first thing that struck me about it was um, the opening music. <clears throat> you get a little hint of like what starts as like an any almost an NES style chiptune style theme, but as it starts up and gets past the opening, like um, you know the opening verse, you know it sort of breaks into a more of a an orchestral style that sounds closer to what the you know TV theme song was like. So it's kind of a blend. Of, of, of the two. Um, this was, you know, published by Capcom. This was developed by WayForward, a pretty prolific uh, developer. They're, you know, they do the Shantae series. They did the Boy and His Blob remake for Wii. Oh, yeah? Um, they did the yeah. Aliens Infestation game for DS. I don't know if I played that one. Uh, they did Double Dragon Neon. Oh, okay. So they've done a lot of different like things. Cool. <laughs> you know? Um, <clears throat> I think... Um, you know, I with in the case of Castle of Illusion, I had played the original games first, the Genesis so game. You were familiar with the source material. 
Yeah, so I wanted to know, you know, kind of, I wanted to see the evolution of that series. I wanted to mm-hmm. see it go from 16-bit style into the modern uh, version. Uh, but with this one, I took an op- the opposite approach. Okay. I've never played the NES game. Um, I'm not knowledgeable about the TV series at all. You never, uh, or never rushed home and to watch Not DuckTales. really. Somehow, <laughs> it just didn't click with me at the time. All right. Um, I wasn't a huge fan myself. I, mm-hmm. If it was on, maybe, if I was bored, I would have it on and watch it. Yeah. But it was, it was okay. I was not a big... I'm not a big Disney fan to begin with. It just, you know, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, any mm, of that yeah, stuff. I, I just wasn't that. into any no. of that for some reason. Tailspin, yeah. Um... You know, so so the characters and the voices and so on. I know this is a, a draw of this game that it uses yep. the original voice cast yeah. of the TV series. Um, so I mean, you know, I know the basics. I know Scrooge McDuck. I know Huey, Louie, and Dewey, and and that's probably about it. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm going into this game, or I went into this game, I should say, like you with know, just, no, just with no preconceptions yeah. and ob- as objective. So this is almost just like another possible. typical platformer to you, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So this, this is interesting because it's hard to find someone who is playing this game not knowing anything about it, the history of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I know it's a fan favorite. Yeah, apparently. yeah, it is. So um, I guess this it's was a lot of people were excited when this game was announced. Yeah. Um, yeah, we actually saw it in PAX, right? Yeah, right. PAX 2012, was it? Or 13? 2013, yeah. probably. Yeah, I think so. It came out shortly after uh, we saw it there, because it came out in the summer of that year. Oh, okay. So we probably saw it in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game starts off with, uh, you know, Scrooge getting robbed by the Beagle Boys, who I'm assuming is some kind of villainous faction in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, they, he has to pretty much rescue his nephews and obviously get his money back in the process. Um, you know, the graphics are kind of cool. It's like kind of a blend of, you know, the, all the characters are rendered in a 2D, like, animation style. Like, you know, pretty much looking like the cartoon. But the backgrounds are 3D rendered and, you know, it looks, looks kind of like a mix of the two styles. Now, is the music state like chiptoonish, or is it getting more um, like traditional style? The music throughout the game is pretty much, you know, like full score. It's okay. not, it's not kept like lo-fi mm. or anything like that. All right. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are really good. I think the music in general. Um, I, I mean, I, I played through the original NES one, and mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that game. And I remember the music being pretty catchy. Yeah, it's um, there's some pretty you know notable tunes there. Um, I think my favorite, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll point out my favorite one when we get to that stage. Um, but it, I'd say overall the music was a lot better quality than what I, uh, heard in the Castle of Illusion series. Mm. I didn't, I didn't care for the score of that game too much. Castle of Illusion had Morgan Freeman, right? Uh, what do you mean? Is, doesn't he do the narration on that? Uh, you know, I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I was, I thought it was. I don't but know. It's not, he's not in the music though. No, but he's. Maybe that's where the money went. You know, it's for his. Oh, voice. you think so? Instead of music, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, so this game has a lot of um, like hidden gems and invisible objects that you don't see until you cross over them. Okay. Or at them, you know. <clears throat> so there's a lot of chests and you know various things that if you you know bounce up into them, you'll see them. Now, is his main weapon still the pogo stick thing? Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So the pogo attack is um, kind of an extra step in the game compared to other platformers. 
you know, like usually I'm used to just jumping and, you know, like either head stomping or something like that. But the fact that you have to press an additional button for the pogo adds a little more complexity. Um, <clears throat> there's actually a, a mode in the game called hard pogo. <laughs> because in the original game, you had to apparently press down and the button at the same time to do the pogo. Okay. And in this one, the default mode is to just, you know, all you have to do is press the button. It'll go into the pogo. Oh, cool. So it'll, it's, it's almost like a pogo assist. <laughs> mm. But if you want to, if you want to play with that original style, you can. There's an option in the menu. It actually says That's hard cool. pogo on it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't crazy about the whole pogo mechan- you know, mechanism. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, only because it adds a little bit of a double of a delay in terms of what you can do. So in other words, if you see an enemy approaching, you have to sort of jump up first and then go into the pogo and then you're ready to attack. You know what I mean? It's not like you can go straight into an attack fluid. I mean, maybe expert level players can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Um, but I find that, um, in order to compensate for this, I'm either constantly pogoing and trying to like kind of position myself so that I'll be ready for the next, the next enemy um, or I have to hop first and go into the pogo, but maybe like hopping back a little bit to give myself a little space, you know? So, I mean, personally, I don't, I, I wouldn't find the hard pogo mode appealing. I don't know anybody who, who would like it to do it that way, but unless that's just, unless I don't you're just remember used to enough. That. that was like 25 years ago when I played that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I don't remember controls being a big issue. Right. So I, I can't really tell like how it would, it would work. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, initially when I first started the game, um, I kind of went straight for the hard difficulty because that's typically how I play a lot of games. I just like, well, I feel like that's where I get to see the most content. I feel Mm. like maybe in like medium or easy, maybe the content is like kind of simplified or dumbed down so that maybe I'm not seeing the full game. But I found that completely unplayable in hard mode. Hard, right? Because... Like in hard mode, basically you have, you don't have as much life. Mm. Um, well, so basically I dialed it all the way down to easy because with easy, at least you get unlimited continues mm. and you get more health points. And, um, basically if you, if you lose three lives in the game in, in hard mode, it's game over. That's it. You're back to the title screen. Nice. I mean, you're done. You don't. You don't get to continue. You don't get to. I don't know. Did the NES version have password save? I don't remember. You got me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The same way. Because it definitely didn't have like battery save or anything. Mm-hmm. You probably just had to I don't just get good there... enough to keep going. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember there being a, a password. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I, I was a little um, taken aback by that, but, you know, <laughs> I guess in the interest of being able to continue the game and keep playing it, I, I, I had to switch to easy. I wasn't going to, you know, try to master... That's one step above teddy bear setting. <laughs> <laughs> there should be. There should be like a, a teddy bear on the title screen. Yep. That would help me out. That would have helped me. That would have saved me that, that initial uh, attempt. Um, but even, even so, I mean, the whole hidden gem concept, I wasn't too crazy about it, to be honest. Um, cause what ended up happening is I would spend a lot of time just bouncing through empty space just to see if there's anything there, you know? And a lot of times there were chests or hidden objects that you would just wouldn't have known about your first time through that area. A lot of times there's like, um, there might be like a boulder on mm-hmm. the ground and you have to use uh, McDuck's or a Scrooge's uh, like cane 
like, like a, a golf, golf club. club. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you can pitch stuff to knock down like a suspended chest. But if you are, but if you destroyed that, that rock with your pogo first, that's it. You're out of luck. That's it. Yep. You know, like it'll respawn if you exit the screen, but if you already uncovered the chest, the te- the chest is gone. That's it. It's not mm. going to respawn. So like, I feel like I missed certain things just because there was no way to know that that was going to yep. be there. Yeah. I remember the game being like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was, uh, I don't know, maybe they call that replay value back then that you, <laughs> yeah. now that you realize that there was something there, you, next time you play it, you'll know to avoid it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe that's another case where you have to keep notes. Uh, yeah. Or you just buy Nintendo power. I think they had it on the cover one issue. Mm-hmm. They did a big walkthrough. Right. Um, so I guess another gripe I had is there was no, there was no way to speed up the dialogue. There was a lot of dialogue mm. in this game, especially because okay. they had the voice cast available. So they were going to use a lot of okay. story time to tell like what's going on and what's happening and what's going to happen next. Well, that was the big draw with this is like we got the original voice actors. Right. So we're going to do a lot of content, you know, for fans of the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. I, that wasn't in the original NES. I can appreciate that. I mean, it seems like it, it adds a nice, you know, level of presentation and production value to, uh-huh. to, to, to what, you know, to the game itself. But the problem is like, if you fail out an area and you have to repeat it, you're going to get that uh, cutscene over and yeah. over again. Why do they do that for? <laughs> and, that. and you can skip it, but what you have to do to skip it is you have to pause it first. And then there's an option in the menu that comes up when you pause it that says skip dialogue. So, so this is what happened with the game. Originally, you couldn't skip it at all. Mm-hmm. You had to watch it. So that was a feature added in later on. Oh, really? And that's why it's probably done like half-assed like that, because maybe they couldn't really, it would have been too much work to like redo, you know, the game cutscenes like that. Mm -hmm. So they just added it as a menu item. But yeah, originally that was a huge complaint that people couldn't skip over these voice scenes. And it was like, these things take forever to go through. Mm -hmm. Well, which version did you play? Is it Steam? I played it on PC, yeah. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's out on so many different platforms. But. Yeah, it's out on almost everything. Even I think it's on mobile now too. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think that was one of my issues. Um, I suppose. Uh, oh, the other thing that I found kind of irritating was that the, the controller will rumble if you're idle for too long. Like if you take any mm. amount of time not moving. The controller just starts oh, shaking, yeah. just to remind you to play the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> which Weird. I, which I thought was a little strange. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, so basically, like, you know, the first stage is pretty much just kind of just to set up the game. And uh, you you kind of knock these uh, these beagles out of your, your mansion. And... Um, so the whole, yeah, the whole first part of the game is new. That's oh, not it? in the original, yeah. Oh, okay. Where you're going through, like, your um, money bank and stuff. Right. Yeah, that, that was added in the new version. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that part's new. It's not, that's the only part that's new. Hmm. Well, I mean, basically, they, were, they raided your, your mansion to steal, like, a treasure map. Uh-huh. There's, like, a painting that contains, like, a treasure map where, like, all different parts of the world, there are these treasures that are hidden. And uh, I guess you didn't know it at the time. You, you owned this painting, but you didn't know that you had a map in it. <laughs> So, um, basically once that part is revealed, then this, uh, this computer pops up and it gives you a list of stages. And these are, I guess, the different areas that you can travel to in the game. Um, so among them is the Amazon, Transylvania, um, African Mines, uh, the Himalayas, 
or the moon? Now, which one do you think I chose first? The moon. (laughs) (laughs) I did try out the moon first. Mm -hmm. I got on a ship. Apparently, Scrooge McDuck has a spaceship that he can just go to the moon at will. Listen, when you have that type of money, Mm -hmm. you have anything you want. Yeah, so I played that a little bit. <laughs> okay, um, but I didn't really, I didn't really continue on that stage. I, I thought, well, all right, this looks cool, but I feel like I maybe I'm missing some parts of the story. Like I got, I got some dialogue and cutscenes, and I didn't quite know what was going on. So I figured, all right, let me just go back and, I, yeah, and start over. Again. I don't remember them giving you a choice to start at any board you want. I thought, um, I don't remember. I don't know. This is um, it was like Mega Man style, where you like. Choose your your stage. I, I, well, I was able I was able to change cha- huh. you know choose the starting stage right from the. Did they, did from they the number start. it like saying stage one, stage two? Um, it no, just said, it was just it was okay. presented on a list, right. and basically that the, the order that I gave it to yeah. you in is the list the, the order that it was listed in on okay. the computer. So once you choose your destination on the computer, then oh you that's can, right, then you can yeah yeah, yeah. you're point. looking at it on the map. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I went to the Amazon first because that was the first the top of the list. I think that's considered the first stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this one, you sort of are collecting these, these oversized coins. You're trying to find, um, you know, there's like these giant chests that you find these coins in. And, uh, the goal here is to unveil some ancient city. Um, and right away I found this stage very cheap <laughs> because there are stages, there are points in the stage where there are these like thorny vines all over and you know there are places on the ground where you can just sort of pogo over them mm-hmm. but then there's also sections where they're on the ceiling and if you pogo <laughs> in the, in those areas you end up hitting them oh. and then of course you take damage and you know you'll fall to your doom if if you stay on that too long i mean basically you know if you get hit um you know you you start flashing you start blinking meaning that you're you're, you're temporarily invincible until you can get to a safe spot um <clears throat> I think overall, <laughs> uh, the, the hit detection in this game is very loose. There are times where I feel like, oh, I should be safe here. Um, but meanwhile, like the vines are overgrowing onto that section. And of course, if I, if I even, you know, one pixel of, of my character hits it, that's it. I'm taking damage. Um, even, even when dealing with enemies, the same thing. I feel like it's, it's way, way too easy to just run into an enemy and, and you know, mm. take a hit from that. Yeah, I, re- I remember, I mean, I didn't play the game, but I remember playing the demo of, of this remake, mm-hmm. and it felt like the sprites were much larger than the NES version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked, and I, and it I looked pretty like, full-sized. Yeah, because in NES, they're pretty small. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Well, there were some there were some vines in this in this stage, and there's a lot of, you know, hopping from one vine to the next, and it kind of reminded me of Donkey Kong Jr. a little bit mm. in some yeah, spots. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, <clears throat> since this is like a jungle-themed uh, zone, you, your, your enemies include um, giant bees, carnivorous plants, giant spiders, um, snakes, uh, you know, some kind of um, uh, ape-like creature. And um, <clears throat> and then these natives that look like chipmunks. I don't really know why. <laughs> but the goal here is to get the scepter of uh, the Incan king, right? And this is, um, I guess, King... Uh, he's named in the, in the game King Manco Capquack. Okay. I don't know what the significance of that character that is. based on the card. I don't mm-hmm. remember if they were based on any of the episodes in the cartoon. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, but this was a pretty straightforward boss battle. I didn't have any real problems with this one. 
Um, you know, you kind of, uh, simple patterns, just bounce on his head enough times and, um, you know, kind of dispatch him that way. Um, <clears throat> you get a quick little cutscene at the end, you know, basically the natives will give you the scepter without much difficulty and then you're kind of off to the next stage. Um, the next one was Transylvania. You're looking for the coin of the lost realm. Mm. This is very, very, these are, these are, I guess, high value treasures. <laughs> <laughs> so they get fancy names. Um, I really like this stage. This is, this is take, this takes place in the castle of, uh, Drake von Vladstone. <laughs> and, um, this is, it's got a lot of nice environmental effects. There's a lot of cool lighting. Uh, it's meant to be very kind of spooky because you're kind of like, um, you know, you're in Transylvania after all. Um, there's a lot of green fog and I'd say the theme music in this stage was probably the best of the game. Hmm. Really, really cool, uh, you know, kind of background tunes in this one. Um, also the character designs in this are really interesting. I mean, I just like, you know, the aesthetics here, you know, you've got like skeleton ducks, you've got this annoying ghost that pops up that you can't kill. All you have to do is avoid him. Uh, you've got like, uh, kind of mummy, mummified ducks as well. Um, and I guess like all good platformers, there's a mine car section. So that's also kind of interesting there. Um, you also have these magic mirrors that can teleport you to different parts of the stage. Um, that was kind of interesting. It, it lets you kind of quick travel or to different spots once you've cleared out different areas. Uh, the big boss here though was, um, someone named Magica the Spell. <laughs> she looked like, uh, uh I think she's from the cartoon. Yeah. Um, she, she had a pretty varied boss battle. I, I kind of like this one. There were like a lot of different, uh, different styles of attacks. Um, there's like spinning mirrors and she was hiding in one of them. There were like jets of flame and stuff. Um, she even turned into a buzzard at one point. Uh, but it's all the same kind of thing. You just have to bop them on the head enough times and that's it. You win that mm. one. <clears throat> um, in the African mines, you're trying to find the giant diamond of the inner earth. <laughs> Naturally. Um, this one was pretty straightforward. I thought it was kind of plain compared to the others so far. Um, there were giant slugs and, you know, you know like large bats and, um, you know, more of those man-eating plants. Mm-hmm. Um, the boss here was the Terra Fermi King and, um, they were, you know, he was like a race of like underground, um, uh, creatures of some kind. They live in like caverns and, um, they kind of look like lumps of putty. They look, they kind of look like they're, you know, they can like, it seems like they can change shape. So I don't really know what the deal with those are, but, mm. but yeah, um, I don't remember. Yeah. Not too familiar with those either. Um, the next part was in the Himalayas. This was, I guess you're looking for the lost crown of Genghis Khan. Wow. So I guess you, they've got real historical figures in this one too. Um, you crash here when you're on your way to this stage. So, you're looking for uh, the plane's like fuel regulator. Apparently, this gets lost in the crash, mm. and you have to go and and retrieve it. You have to get all you know the parts back. Um, this stage is a little different from the other ones. There's like a lot of snow here, so you can't pogo where there's snow. If you attempt to, you just get stuck in the snow. So the best you can do is you can kind of jump up, That's right, and yeah. then bounce off the enemies. You, you can like you have to like pogo in midair huh. almost. And isn't there a lot of like uh, ice? You slide. Uh, it didn't seem slippery. No, okay. Uh-uh, not really. Um, there were some areas where, uh, 
like you have those Mighty Duck characters, like kind of ice skating back and forth. Oh, like, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. You know, but I, I didn't. I didn't really notice a slide in okay. those in those parts. Um, there were a lot of bunnies in this one. Hmm. They kind of look like Thumper from uh, from Bambi. I guess hmm. they kind of have that same look. Um, they, they, so they burrow under the snow and then they pop up in different spots. But you can pogo them anywhere. You don't have to wait for them to jump up. Um, there's also these really annoying mountain goats that are like hopping around, uh, constantly respawning. And this is like another irritation of this game is that if you move away from the screen that you were just on and move back, if there's any enemies in that spot, mm-hmm. they will constantly yeah, I think the original always game respawn. Like that. They probably kept that true to the mm-hmm. NES version. Yeah, it's kind of hard because some, especially because you know sometimes you need to double back a little bit to give yourself some room, mm-hmm. and you give yourself enough room to so that the enemy responds, and you I end up like having to kill the same enemy three or four times before I can. That push was a forward. Capcom thing. So I think like all their games had Section Z and mm-hmm. Mega Man was famous for that. You know, mm. if you needed to get your health back up, you just keep respawning the same enemy until you drop something. Huh. Yeah, I guess they're. They're sticking to it a little too closely, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Did they keep any of the flicker effects or like... No. Okay. No, this looked, this looked flawless. Okay. Looked really... Um, I mean, I, overall, the art direction in the game is, is really great. Mm. It looked um, high quality. Um, now, at one point on this stage, though, you, you run into... You see um, what looks like a, a character like embedded in a block of ice. And once you set them loose... You find out that this is Bubba the Cave Duck. <laughs> I don't know who this is, but Scrooge yeah, seems know. to know him. Okay. Um, so he's like, you know, kind of like a primitive caveman looking uh, creature, but, you know, he's got a club and everything. And he kind of helps, he joins you for a little bit. He helps you out a bit. He goes ahead and smashes enemies and, and ice blocks for you. Hmm. Um, this is a little bit of a problem in some spots because you need those ice blocks to be able to jump up and get to certain treasure chests. But meanwhile, this cave duck is going ahead and smashing things. So you have to kind of stay ahead of him a little bit so before he breaks something that you actually need to use. Um, this one also had some annoying parts where there's like icicles overhead. So if you jump too high, you'll end up running into those icicles. Hmm. Okay. Um, it wasn't as big of a problem. As it was in the in that jungle area, um, but overall, this was kind of an interesting um, stage. You end up running into, I guess, someone who's like kind of your rival. There's like another duck, like that you run into called um, uh, Glomgold. <laughs> he's um, you know he's trying to like upstage you. He's trying to be be more wealthy than you are by stealing your stuff. I guess. Um, he seems even more Scottish than Scrooge McDuck, mm. if that's possible. Um, but I guess, you know, I guess that's the nature of, of this, this, this cast of characters. I don't I guess the Scottish are like the wealthy, uh, cast in, in this world. I don't know how that works. <clears throat> um, but you've, you know, once you collect all the parts for the plane, you get back, you find out that your niece was the, stowing away on the plane was the reason why the plane crashed in the first place. I don't know how that happens. Um, but uh, once you take off again, you do have like a little battle in the sky with uh, your rival. Um, and then you finally, when you defeat him, you get to like a battle with like a very large Yeti, if you can mm, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty simple battle, you know, just like falling ice blocks, you know, pretty easy to, to avoid. Um, you just have to knock 
you know, these rocks uh, into the into the air, and it'll knock the ice blocks down onto its head. Okay. Um, after that, I end up going back to the moon stage. This is like what appears to be the final stage in the list. Here, you're looking for the green cheese of longevity. I didn't know there was such a thing. Huh. Uh, you're told that you are uh, that you're using oxychew, which is like a type of taffy huh. that has oxygen in it, and that's how come you're able to breathe on the moon. Okay. <laughs> um, but you don't really spend too much time on the surface. You end up going. Uh, one of your uh, crew gets kidnapped by an alien ship, so you have to board the alien ship to try to rescue him. Um, <clears throat> so, like, the enemies here are, like, kind of these flying squid-like creatures. And um, there's, like, robo-ducks on the surface, too. They, like, go around punching if you get too close to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like those guys. <laughs> Don't they have the one wheel, right? They're, like, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. And um, there's, like, uh, once you get on the ship, there's, like, um, kind of, like, just these fat aliens that are, like that occupy the ship for the most part. They don't really, they're really simple though. These are really simple enemies. All they do is just like walk back and forth. There really is no interaction with these other characters. You're, um, just wait for the pattern and, you know, hit them when you're ready to. Um, so I guess at one point though, you do find your, your crewmate, you rescue him and you release these, these like kind of like these lab rats at the same time. It looks like the aliens were busy, like, abducting various samples of, uh, of Earth life. Um, so that ends up becoming the, the final boss on this stage. I think uh, just as you're about to grab the cheese, one of the rats runs in and eats the cheese, and that becomes, like, the big boss that you have to defeat. Um, as it turns out on the ship, once you release your, your crewmate, he becomes uh, Gizmo Duck. I guess this mm, is another yeah. character. Yep. Um, and he like will accompany you for a little bit, also blasting enemies and helping you get to the vault where, um, you know, where that, uh, final piece of cheese was, was kept. <laughs> um, but once you collect that, um, you get back to your, your, your mansion on earth and your rival is there with the beagles. Apparently they were in cahoots the whole time. And, um, you know, they demand like you give surrender that treasure so that he can become, like, more wealthy than you. Uh, but then that Magicka character shows up, and she demands, like, another treasure from you, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so your the final, final stage, which was unrevealed up to this point, was takes place in Mount Vesuvius. And this is kind of like in a volcano, I guess. You know, very uh, lava-themed. And some of the best effects in the game were during this, this stage. It's very straightforward. It's very linear. There was no real exploration in this one. Um, but there's like a lot of lava-filled uh, caverns and stuff. And there was one really cool part where like the background is is lit up, but then the foreground is in silhouette. So it almost reminds me of like a Limbo-style mm. graphics. But okay. meanwhile, the background is very vibrant in that stage. Um, there's also like a point where, you know, you know, you of course you get to, um, you know, uh, Dracula Duck at the end. He's like the final, final boss. Is it Count Duckula or something? I guess, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he, he, it's, it's, you know, not terribly difficult. Um, but the part that I found most annoying is you have to, like, kind of escape the volcano at the end. And this part I found super frustrating. 
Like, um, this is kind of an area where you have to do a very quick climb and you're, it's almost like a time stage because your rivals are like leaving at the same time. And if they get to the top, they win. So I'm like repeatedly playing this part over and over again. And this is like a part, a part where like, you know, if they beat you to the top, that's it. It's over and you have to Mm. start over. So you have to find the right combination of, of, you know, the pathway to get through to the top. Um, and then even when that part is done, then you have to like escape the lava that's flowing up. And then like, there's another stage that's very similar. Hmm. Um, this part, like there's chains that you have to climb and the chains will break off if you like are on there too long. (laughs) So there's many points of failure throughout this whole thing. The lava is rising, the chains break. Um, you know, if you don't find the right path, you have to just keep starting over. And I can imagine how this would be if you were playing on like a more difficult, um, you know, setting mm-hmm. where you didn't have the infinite continues. Yeah. yeah. It would have been Sounds like game over many times for me. Yeah. Um, so I actually had to switch to the D pad for this one. I was playing it with the analog stick for most of the game. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, Axiom Verge, I played with the D pad the whole time. Mm-hmm. I, I usually resort to D pad in almost all circumstances with these retro games. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I just like I, I think I prefer some kind of thumbstick. I wish I wish there was more, you know I mean in most cases it, it functions well enough as a, a digital kind of stick. It doesn't really need to be analog. There's a lot of throw though on a digital on the analog stick. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I did I did need it for this part. The immediacy of like a, <laughs> yeah. of a D pad, um, but. You know, get to the end and, you know, game over and that's that. Um, I don't know. My total time on this game was about four hours. Four hours and seven minutes mm. was my was my total play time. It's not too bad. Yeah. That's about, I think, a little bit longer than maybe the NES one. I don't remember it taking four hours. I remember like two maybe. Mm. But I, I don't know. This was, you know, like I said, 25. I don't... There's more padding. I in this played one, when it probably. first came out, so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Did you sit and watch all the in- intermissions? Well, the first time they played through, yeah, you did. I okay. did. Yeah, so that probably added a lot of time to it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure here and there. I think, I think they said it was about an hour of dialogue. They added. <laughs> really? I think so. Yeah, I think. So. Wow, that's a lot. I'm almost positive I read that somewhere. Hmm. There's a lot of you know very typical kind of humor that you mm. would expect from from a show like this. So it really depends on what your tolerance level is for mm. that kind of scripting. I mean, if the original it, cartoon was okay. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, it's, it's one of the better, I think, cartoons from that generation. Mhm. Yeah. It was um I mean, overall it was fine. I didn't I wasn't crazy about the game. I just felt no. like it was a little I think I felt, you know, it was just a little dated in some that, aspects. That's that's what I felt when I was playing that demo. That mm-hmm. ran it ran like 10 minutes or so. I felt like, oh, you know, I kind of played this already, and it was just, it didn't just feel fresh to me, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I felt a little stiff on the controls, and I don't know. Yeah, just excessively punishing in areas that it mm-hmm. didn't seem to need to be, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not crazy about games where, like, controls are an issue, and, you know, that shouldn't be where the difficulty lies, um, but... It is what it is. So now, so you beat this game. Mm-hmm. Do you, does it open up anything? Like, does it give you like the original 8-bit version or uh, not that no I could secrets tell. or anything like that? There's things like, um, that's too bad. You know, you, you like, as, as you collect various gems and whatever, you're, you're, you're collecting cash in the game. Mm-hmm. I guess that's part of your overall score. 
you can there's like a portraits area where you can go in and unlock artwork yeah, and things like that. I was gonna say I remember that dollar sign thing having to affect some of the secrets in the game. Yeah. Yeah, so there's things like that. Okay. Um and I don't think you earn enough on one playthrough to be able to oh, um okay. you know, unlock all that stuff if that's what you're into. Alright. Um, so there's like a lot of concept drawings and character sketches and other things, Okay. you know, like some, some basic stuff and then some behind the scenes stuff too. Mm. Um, beyond that, I'm not sure. I didn't really notice much else. I'm sure there's like a hardcore mode where, you know, <laughs> you, uh, you'd be crazy to want to play that, but I guess it's there if you like this type of game. Um, but yeah, I don't expect myself, you know, going back and spending any no. more time on this. Do you think you'll go back and play the original NES version? Uh, I would try it just to see what the difference uh-huh. was. Just knowing what this game was like, I'm curious to see what, what the other one is. Yeah. What the original that it's based on is like. But I don't know if I would want to play it. Yeah. Considering the tough. issues I had with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure you'd... <laughs> I don't know if I'd enjoy it. It might be it. worse just, for you. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Because mm. now you're going to have the same game, but with graphics that aren't as good. Right. <laughs> Which may be better, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, so I guess we've probably rambled on long enough about the games we've been playing. Yeah, yeah. well, we're uh, very passionate about our games. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted you to feel what it was like for me to play this game. Okay. (laughs) Um, I guess I can get into maybe some other games that I picked up this week. Oh, what'd you pick up? Um, I ended up getting something that I've been meaning to get since it was announced. I don't know why, but (laughs) (laughs) well, so I ended up, um, coming in the mail, I guess was the final fantasy type zero HD collector's edition. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, you're a big final fantasy fan. So yeah, you know how how it is with that purchase for you. So yeah. So I had, I mean, only because this is one of those, uh, square, uh, online like exclusives. And, um, Basically, it's a collector's edition. That's why you have it. Yeah, I'm a bit of a sucker for these collector's I editions. I don't know why. It has to be just kind of the right combination, and this type is, because it has the kind of things I like, which <laughs> is a steelbook case, and a soundtrack, and an art book, and this one has a manga as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also got, you know, some some collector cards that are included. Um and that's kind of like my limit for these collector's editions. Like, that's all I want to get out of them. The other ones that have, like, statues and, like, other things that I probably don't want in my house, I usually don't go for those. It's really this type that I that yeah. appeal to me the most. Um, I can see why. I mean, it's-, it's also got a demo for Final Fantasy XV, which is oh. kind of what a lot of people are getting this game for that comes with that comes with the regular is that out yet 15 no no it's like one of the it's like the next game Mm. i guess so type zero is um a game that originally came out on the psp but it was only released in japan so this is the first time this game is coming out in english officially um and of course up res for hd it's available for xbox one and ps4 i ended up getting the ps4 version um and, you know, I'm sure I'll play it at some point, maybe. <laughs> Can you name two characters from Final Fantasy series? Um, like any of the 14 games. <laughs> name me two characters. Uh, I know, uh, uh, what's his name? Chocobo? Uh, uh, is that a character? I, I, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't 
no idea. Uh, I know Cloud. All right. And I know good. Squall because that's another type okay, of. Okay, very good. That's another. That's another very weather <laughs> pattern. Yeah. So <laughs> I can name those. All right, that's better than what I would have done. Tifa. Is a Tifa? I, I don't know. I, I played one Final Fantasy game, mm-hmm. two, sort of. Right. Both of them were not for me. Yeah. I, I mean, it looked cool. I mean, I did check the game out. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in some on some yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, we saw it at PAX East, right? We we right. checked it out a little bit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my big get. Did you it's pick up anything? Big. Yeah, actually, I um, uh, unlike what I've said in the past. I picked up a loot crate. Um, really? Now, I did not go for their subscription. Mm. Um, instead, they had a uh, loot crate retro re- rewind back in January. Uh-huh. And I was going to... Um, I wanted to grab it because it had a uh, little figure in there that looked like a Nintendo cartridge. Mm-hmm. And it's by this company called, I think, Squid Inks. And they're called Nintendo's. Mm-hmm. I think I showed them on our, our when we did the YouTube show like yeah. one, a long time ago. I remember that. So um, this was a new figure in there, and it had um, it came with the reason why I really wanted it was it came with the little figure was holding a NES Zapper mm-hmm. replica, mm-hmm. and I wanted that because you can't buy that anywhere else. So um, I was kind of annoyed because I, when I went to order the loot crate thing, they wanted me to subscribe, and it was a whole bunch of paperwork and stuff. And I got I got it to like the final checkout, and then it was like. All right, you'll be. We'll send you every month like a, a subscription. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want to deal with. It. I have to start canceling this. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just quit it. And then um, the loot crate thing ended, and I missed out on it. I was kind of annoyed because I wanted that figure. <laughs> so then I was like, I, we went to PAX, and I thought I was going to find it there, and we didn't. So it turns out that they still have some of these left over in their warehouse, and they sell these loot crate boxes individually for mm. people who missed out on. I didn't know that. And you don't have to subscribe. You can just buy them as a one-off deal. So, uh, yeah, so I ordered the, the box, and I didn't even open it yet. I figured um, I'll, I'll look, go through it okay. like, right now, and just, I don't even know what's in it. I just, like, I saw it, and Besides I was like, that figure. Cause right, Because yeah. that figure's really the reason. That's really what it. I want. Everything else is just, um, mm-hmm. uh, so it has this box that you turn inside out, and it looks like an NES, sort of. Right, yeah. It's, like, colored orange and gray. Yeah. Um, so it comes with a uh, T-shirt, Voltron T-shirt. Oh, interesting, yeah. So it's kind of like a schematic of Voltron on, yeah. a, t- on a t-shirt we'll with, like, with like Japanese text. Uh, yeah, like a wireframe kind of mm-hmm. Voltron thing. That's cool. Uh, it comes with a, a tie, um, a Space Invaders tie, I think. Uh-huh. Or some kind of video game theme, so I don't, I don't usually wear ties, but perhaps I will know someone who does. I don't know. <laughs> 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 ties well, maybe you don't want to break up your crate. Maybe you want to um, keep it complete. I, all right, so uh, first of all, these crates are, reta- are really stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you know, it's 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 a set. Like, that's the last thing I want is more more boxes. In my <laughs> more boxes. I'm trying to get rid of my stuff, mm-hmm. but I just wanted this figure. That's really why I wanted it. So um, it does come with the Tendo figure. Oh, it is a loot crate exclusive. Interesting. So they're all random, and the uh, the cartridge that I wanted, the sort of, was the gold cart because that was the most. So the random element one. is that the the cart has a different. The, There's different labels on the different carts. labels and different. Decos. And these are not real cartridges; they're just little action yeah, figure right. in the shape of cartridges. So um, some of the graphics are based off of NES games. The one I grabbed here is Corbin's Alley, so it looks like Hogan's Alley mm. but with some kind of alien. 
Um, and I'll probably take a picture of this and I'll put it on our page so people can see what I'm talking about. I know it's kind of hard to picture what, what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Um, <clears throat> I gotta make sure that little zapper guy's in that box. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I also got a comic book notebook. I guess you make like illustrations in here. It's like a little n- notepad. Hmm. All right. And there is uh, a pair of eight-bit glasses, like shades in orange. Yeah. Uh huh. Which I actually I own already. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course you do. <laughs> and then there's one other thing. Oh, two other things in here. Um. So this is just, I guess it's talking about everything that's in the box. It's just like a pamphlet. All right. And then one other thing is a comic book, which is probably up your alley. A Star Wars comic, Star it looks Star Wars like. comic, which I have no use for. Uh, uh, okay. So, yeah, it's it's Marvel's uh, Star Wars uh, issue number one. Um, I guess there's like a Loot Crate. It is a Loot Crate. exclusive cover on yeah. this one. And they give you the cardboard <clears throat> back on it. So. Yeah, in case you don't know. So this is like, they're relaunching Star Wars comics under the Marvel Comics banner because previously another comic company, Dark Horse, had the Marvel license. And they had published 10 years plus worth of Star Wars comics. Uh-huh. But since Disney recently bought Lucasfilm and Disney also owns Marvel Comics, it's natural that Star Wars comics come back to disney's own production under marvel okay so that's why this is a new number one. Oh, is this should i be excited that i have this or <clears throat> it's you know it's just it's gonna go into my junk box and everything else. um yeah i don't know maybe maybe mm. some people are looking for the exclusive cover i don't know I'll, I'll put feelers out and see if anyone wants this stuff no idea uh, I was, like i said i was just interested i mean the t-shirt is a girl size so that's fine for me mm-hmm. um but everything else in the box is kind of not anything I need. Yeah, I just right. wanted the figure. Oh, well, it came with a button, too, I see. <laughs> well, this is the danger of Loot Crate. I mean, you might get some cool stuff, but then you might also get a bunch yeah, of stuff you I don't mean, need. I could definitely see the appeal of this. I mean, if this was around back when I was, like, you know, a teenager or something, I probably would have loved this. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, at this point in my life, I have way too much of this. You're trying to live lean. Yeah, this, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I understand. So, But it was cool. It was, like, $20 shipped. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty fair, because one of these, like these little um, cartridge figures, I think they sell for about 10 or 15 alone. Mm-hmm. The normal so, ones. Um, normal, yeah, just off the web. And this is an exclusive one. So I thought that was a pretty decent deal for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm checking. Oh, the zapper's in there. All right. <laughs> so that was the main reason why I wanted this. So... This yep. whole box, just for that one zapper. Yeah. Well, the cartridge, too. I mean... Yeah. Uh, you don't. Do you have one of this size, or do yeah. you? Only, or do you only have the large? I have one. one uh, yeah, I have ones in this size. I have one large one and one small one. So this is my second small one. Okay. Hmm. Cool. They're cool. They're called um, Tendo One Zero D O H, and they have a whole like series two, series three, I think now. Right. With different cartridge labels, they're, they're cute. Not bad. It's too bad they're. Their Sega Genesis inspired line didn't take they off. They did do a Kickstarter for Sega Genesis, yeah, and that failed. Mm-hmm. And they also did, um, they have a cassette tape line, guys that look like cassette tapes. Right. And I think floppy disks, too. Mm. And I think he makes those still. I'm not sure. I forget, because his site's kind of wacky. But um, Squid Inks, I think, is his site. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, not bad. Good haul. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> well, at least you got... A second chance at that figure. Yeah, I was like totally shocked. I I think the guy um, 
he posted it. He's like, hey guys, if anyone missed the loot crate with my exclusive figure, here's your chance. I was like, oh wow. Mm. I picked it out. Very cool. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, so, I guess we'll maybe talk about some happenings of the week. Yeah, if you have so, nothing else that you picked up. Yeah, that was it for is me. Is there anything? Go- I, I didn't really <clears throat> see any big news this week. What did you find? Um, well, I guess one thing that did come out was that uh, Microsoft is delaying one of their uh, big games for Xbox One this year. Um, this title that was revealed back when the Xbox One was first announced called Quantum Break. Yeah, this was part of that E3 of, from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So this was... Um, one of the videos they played. This was a new IP that was being developed exclusively for the system. Um, and it's funny because I thought this game was like the big one. This was like... Of all the videos we saw in that original launch E3 for, mm-hmm. for the Xbox. Right. Or it was maybe it was the video... I think it was before E3 that they showed it, right? Well, it was during the it's reveal like free, of yeah, whatever the that reveal Xbox was. One system. And that was always the game that stood out to me. Quantum Break. This was the big one. Yeah. And then it just kind of like, you know... The system came out, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, that game ever come out? come out? What was that called? Yeah. It's kind of a, I mean, it's a big game because this is the one that's being worked on by Remedy, which yeah. is the same company that did the Max Payne series, and also Alan Wake for Xbox 360. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, this this had a blend of, like, some live action stuff. I don't know if there was going to be, like, a TV series linked in with this. Yeah. This was going to be part of, I like, so. Xbox's big media push mm-hmm. as well. And that whole thing kind of, I don't know, that seems, it seems like that whole aspect of the system was shelved. And I don't know how it's going to affect this game in the long term. Yeah, I, th- I figured it was canceled. But yeah, so this game was originally scheduled to come out, um, you know, in, in 2015, by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been pushed into 2016. That's crazy. This is like four years in development by the yeah. time this comes out. These are big games. They take a long time to make. Um and, you know, this joins the announcements from the other uh, big two in the in the industry. I guess Sony delayed Uncharted 3. Yep. And, uh, or Uncharted 4, I should say. Their, their next yeah. Uncharted yeah, yeah. title. Um, and also, you know, Nintendo saying that the next Zelda is going to be delayed as well. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, more delays to uh, more games that are not coming out for 2015. Yep. And I'm wondering, my, my whole question is like is this a big problem or not or do we you know do we think this is um a sign of trouble in the industry or do we think this is a good thing should games take as long as they take and whenever they're ready is when they should come out um i think that delaying games is never good Mm -hmm. it's always bad when you have to do that that's even i mean that's in every industry whenever you announce something and give it a date and then you delay it Mm -hmm. that's usually a sign of not being good not being good or production problems reason, maybe yeah, or something. Yeah, usually issues. Mm-hmm. And especially, I mean, in the past with games, that <clears throat> always meant like 99% of the time when a game got delayed and that game finally came out, it was a bad game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the case. Like we're dealing with new systems now, new consoles. Right. So there could be other issues involved. So we don't know for sure, but... Uh-huh. Well, um, but to answer your question, that's my opinion, but, you know, to answer your question. Well, the way they're spinning it is that, you know, they're just basically saying, we feel like this is the time that we need to take I mean, sometimes, to polish the game. Yeah. And make it as good as we think it should be. Sometimes they delay it just because maybe there's a bigger game coming out that month. Right. They don't want it to interfere with the sales of that. Yeah. Well, I guess Microsoft already has Halo 5 due to come out by the end of the year. Yeah. Which is going to be a big game for them. 
Assuming that one doesn't slip, but I'm, it's I looking think. like it's on track. Know, is Halo still a big series? Uh, for the so. people that are into it, sure. Yeah. Right. And they also have to- Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is the next big Tomb Raider game that's going to be exclusive. I mean, for a time. even that, that's big, but the last game wasn't overly well received. It took its time, it actually. It took a long time, it, t- yeah. it ended up being the best-selling game of the franchise, mm-hmm. but it took time to get there. I remember them being disappointed when it came out. Initially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they released the remastered version. And they dropped and the price, too. They did a lot of sales. They did a big push on it, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I guess, you know, you can you can look at it another way. I mean, we saw what happened last year with the games that were rushed out to meet that holiday sales time. Sure. We had, you know, Assassin's Creed Unity, and we had the... Mm, that the, didn't turn out too well. <laughs> that, had, that had a lot of pro- technical issues that took several updates to fix. I think Battlefield also, maybe? Or was it the year before? It was a little bit rocky that on that. That was rushed out. Um, and even on Microsoft's side, you had that Master Chief Collection, had a ton of like yeah, online yeah. player issues. So, And I think that was delayed, too, like a month or so. Um, and that was... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and they're still patching that game. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, right. So, I mean, there is a famous quote that is attributed to Shigeru Miyamoto. He, you know, originally when the N64 was delayed so that Mario 64 could be finished mm. properly or what he felt was good enough. Mm-hmm. He said that a delayed game is eventually good, but a rush game is forever bad. Mm. So maybe in the cartridge days, that's true. That was true back then. But now we can, now we can take anything out the door yeah, and patch it later. It out, let's get it out on the street. Yeah. And I guess that's a common complaint of this era is that this is what ends up happening. Games get rushed to, to meet a certain street date mm-hmm. or to meet, you know, a perceived, um, sales period and, uh, you know, let the problems come afterwards. It doesn't really matter if we make, once we make the sale, we can always fix it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mentality. Right. Well, these games cost a lot of money to make. So there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, in some cases, the company is riding on this. Like, company, the game doesn't sell. Like, might shut down, you know? Right. You know, most certainly everyone's getting laid off if this game doesn't do well. So, mm-hmm. some, not, you know, nothing's good to come out of that. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it really depends on how, how well stocked their lineup is. Um, you know, I guess for Sony, Uncharted is like a big franchise, obviously. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, with that one getting pushed, I guess, you know, they're going to rely a lot more on third-party offerings. That's been the story, like, all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I mean, you load up the PS4, and you see, like, so many indie games. Right. And then mostly, you know, not that many AAA games. Not really. Yeah, I mean, The Order was kind of their big game. Yeah. And that was turned out to be a, a bit of a dud so far. So far, yeah. I mean, some people say they like it, but um, generally... Yeah, I mean, I haven't played it yet, right? So I'm not really judging it, but just based on the buzz it generated, I don't think it really helped the system too much. Um, And I guess the other one was uh, the other one that we that we just got from uh, Bloodborne. I guess was a system exclusive, right? Yeah. So that seems to be doing pretty well. That's just turning out better than what they probably Mm -hmm. expected, right? So apart from that, Uncharted was expected to be kind of the next big game, but. I guess they're going to have to wait on that one. They kind of don't have anything unless there's some big surprises in store. 
Unfortunately, they're in a, in a, a pretty good spot that they've sold enough units. Right. That I don't think that's going to affect them. That I think much, they're but. pretty comfortable at the moment, so maybe they're not looking at it as such a big deal. And I mean, for me, I don't really care so much because I like the indie stuff. Right. So, you know, if it just means more indie games are coming out, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those games are good. Right. So now on the Nintendo front, though, we've got Zelda being delayed, mm-hmm. and that that I, I I don't know. I guess some people are disappointed by this. I was. Never expecting it to come out. I, I said it since that E3 last year. I said uh-huh. this game is not coming out this year. I said. So, do you think this was maybe a strategic announcement of a delay that they meant to do all along? That they knew that there yeah, was no way knew. that this game they was going to come out. Because they even joked about it on one of the the things. He was like, "How's that Zelda game coming?" And it was like, you know, well, you know, he said, "I forget what the joke was." He was like. Oh, you know, how's your Star Fox coming, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you knew, like, they, it's like, come on. Right. Who actually thought Zelda was going to come out in 2015? Um, I guess, I guess all the faithful that were hoping and waiting for this game. We didn't see any footage of it. Right. They showed, like, 30 seconds of yeah. the game. So, I mean, obviously they said that we need to polish this game a bit more. Yeah. To be the quality in Zelda game. And I'm game still that... saying 2016 is maybe pushing it. Mm. for this game mm-hmm. well, well we'll see e3 uh, we'll, what kind of footage they show us but we might not get anything because we've already gotten word of the delay I know, so they're I not know. really That's obligated to show me... anything yeah i don't know mm-hmm. i mean they might th- show they might show a little more just to show that they're making progress yeah well they use directs now anyway nintendo directs so mm-hmm. e3 is not even a big thing for them true enough all right well i guess we'll see yeah yeah and uh, see if it's really a big deal or not. But I, my opinion, though, is, you know, obviously, as gamers, we want new games to play and we want them to be as good as possible. So if they need a little more time to make them a little better, I don't really well, see I mean, what the, the big deal is. In the Wii's case, it's kind of like that, that system's kind of out of it anyway. That's sort of on its down, you know, it pretty much only has a year of life left in it. You think so? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to start making any new games for that thing, especially that they announced new hardware coming out in two years. Mm hmm. You know, you'll get another year full of, you know, Nintendo stuff, and that's it. No more third party. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's winding down, and this is going to be the last. So, mm. might as well make it go out and bang, you know? Put right. Put a good title. Interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if it's on the next system, too. Uh, I would be stupid if it's not, unless it's... We don't know what the next system is. If it's... Yeah. It might be a total different concept altogether. Hmm. Right on. All right. Well, I guess we'll... Uh, I guess we'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so there was a bit of a, a thing happening at uh, a Street Fighter tournament recently. There was um, an issue happening in... Um, Did someone Sanwa stick break or something? Like, what happened <laughs> there? Well, in, I guess this these were regional... Some kid's cord got pulled out when he tripped over and was walking by the TV. I'm sure that happens at every tournament, I'm sure. <laughs> this is not new. Um, this, this happened at, uh, the regionals in, in California, uh, Capcom was having a Street Fighter 4 tournament and apparently the wrong version of the game was used in some of the, um, competition such that, you know, they had to replay a portion of it. (laughs) Yeah. It was so shocking, right? So apparently, uh, I guess a console was swapped at a certain point and they were using a certain version of the game, a certain build. They were using version 1.04 which was, I guess, a downloadable update mm-hmm. or a digital version of the game that included that update. Okay. Uh, and then apparently a console was swapped somewhere in the mix and there was a, a game disc in, in the console that booted up the game. 
But I guess what happens is when you do that, you're at version 1.0 of the game and not the version 1.04, which is what the tournament is being run with. Um, So I guess this is a side effect of what we were just talking about, where these updates come down, these games get patched, rebalanced, you know, features added and so on. And, you know, if you use the original disc, you've got, you've only got the original version of the game. Yeah, so the game you're buying off the shelf is not necessarily the finished game. Mm-hmm. Right. And ten years from now, when you go and pick up this game at a garage sale or something, and you're putting in your machine, and it's no longer connected to online, or, you, you know, know the whatever. servers or whatever, yeah. Or let's say there's just a tournament being being run, and they want to use this version of the latest build right. of the game. You got to make sure so you what have, you downloaded it while it was available, and once it's not available, what do you do? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, you, uh, that's why they make emulation, and that's why we need <laughs> emulators to be up to date. And um, you know, we should have well, more resources. I guess. That. I guess there's two. There's, I mean, apart from this, there's there's I guess two things that I'm wondering about here. First of all, if this tournament is being executed and there's they're they're relying on an updated version. Well, the, yeah. I mean, the one thing that makes no sense, first of all, about this thing is it's Capcom sanctioned. Right. So this is supposed to be, I guess, like a kind of a real deal. Kind of, like, it's not like a mm-hmm. someone's basement, you know? Right. It's like, not hey, even dudes, like a, I'm having it's not a, a fan tournament. club or yeah. something. It's apparently this a, is like a real thing when they have Capcom's money involved tour. and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know who's like unplugging systems and switching things around. Like, you know, there's, kind of, there's an operations team that's in charge of know. keeping things running. This um, seems kind of fishy to me. First of all, why is there a retail disc in play at all? If if you're relying on the digital version of the game yeah. to include the update, then why is there even a retail disc floating I around? I think if it was the 360, you need to have the retail disc in there mm. for it to read, maybe? I don't know. I, don't I know. think... I think I think this is a downloadable version of the game that they were playing on the other so consoles. You shouldn't even need a disc at all. Well, I'm surprised that it works this way. I'm surprised that even if you do have a retail disc, mm-hmm. if there's an update on the hard drive, why isn't it also including that update with the game? Mm-hmm. I feel like that should have happened. Um, but apparently that's not what happened in this case, where basically they had a machine that had the update on the hard drive, but because it was booted off of the disc, that's the version that was used. I'm surprised the game doesn't check the hard drive to see if there's an update yeah, for the game. Yeah, that sounds kind of weird. But that's the story that came out. Uh, apparently that's the reason well, that that whole thing happened. Too so, bad. So yeah, oh, well. that's unfortunate. The players had to replay that portion of the tournament, and I guess they got a chance to compete in another one if, you know, just as compensation. Don't they do these things every week? I feel like every week I, I see... People going to these tournaments. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I don't follow the on. scene. I can't tell you. It's, yeah, it's weird. The scene is big. <clears throat> mm. So I guess another story that's I guess in in this sort of same similar vein. Yeah. Um, is that the EFF, which is the Electronic Frontier Foundation, mm. uh, and the ESA, which is the Entertainment Software Association, are kind of at odds over the issue of what to do with games that are no longer being supported. Public domain. Let's make them all public domain. <laughs> That's what you said. Get them out there. You're not in this discussion, though. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any say at all? I don't think any of us do at the moment. Um, well, I mean, basically, the, the, the force is here. Like, the EFF is, um, I, I would say, uh, 
kind of a consumer advocacy group in a sense. In other words, they, they try to bring to light technological issues related to, you know, things that maybe lawmakers aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. So they sort of tried to update the law in many ways and lobby for certain things to happen to benefit usually consumers. Mm -hmm. Whereas the ESA represents pretty much the industry. They represent more often than not software publishers and developers. And, you know, they try to also lobby to, you know, make certain legislation happen. Um, you know, to, to help out the game industry. But they're at odds over this issue because the EFF says, you know, any games that are no longer supported should be able to be modified so that people can keep playing those games when the online servers get shut down. Sure. Yeah. And the ESA says that's a no-no because you're modifying the game. You might have to modify your console to get that to happen, mm -hmm. and that will allow piracy and other bad things to happen. Okay. So this is the crux of their issue here, that they're mm. kind of saying that, you know, I, one thing will lead to, you know, uh, horrible things happening and people pirating games and so on. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know where they're coming from. I don't get it. Well, I, I say they're making a big logical leap here by assuming that modifications and hacking and, you know, console modding will have to happen. I think there's ways around it that will still not compromise well, the game. even if it is console? Who cares? What's the big deal? Um, well, I guess... Piracy of games that are old and not being supported anyway, so mm -hmm. there's no money lost there. Uh, you, you think of it that way because... I guess you're a game player, as am I. And, you know, obviously we want to be able to play these games indefinitely. We paid for them, so we want to be able to keep using them. Sure. Uh, but the companies that support these games look at it a different way. They say that there's costs associated with these things, and when the game's not making enough money anymore, then those servers will go away. And in some games, that's an essential part of the game. The game can't be run without certain mm -hmm. online services. Um, but they might want you to buy the next version of the game. They might want you to... You know, that, that, that old game is no longer commercially viable, but they're getting the next one ready in the series. And, and then if, people may not jump on the new one because the old one is still playable could be, in yeah. various ways. And ultimately, it's their, it's their IP. They, should, hmm. you know, they want to be able to decide, you know, can people, uh, you know, can people hack these games to keep playing them? You know, meanwhile, it's their copyrighted code. So We're going to figure it out either way, so they might as well just go along with us. <laughs> You think that's just going to happen? Either, yeah. Either they give us a legal means to play this, yeah, well, or we'll we're just going to do it anyway. Yeah. Somebody in a bedroom somewhere is. I guess that's true. Code right now and all uh, this stuff. I mean, it's inevitable, but you know, I think the EFF wants to make it legal, though. I mean, they know that yeah, people will figure yeah, it out a way. Be. It should be in museums, and this stuff should be archived. That's the other thing. The ESA says that even museums and institutions are not exempt from the DMCA restrictions. And the DMCA is that Digital Millennium Copyright Act that so often comes up and gets in the way of various uh, initiatives, mm -hmm. uh, but it's also used to, you know, enforce copy protection. And that's one thing that the DMCA says. It says it's not legal for you to defeat a technological copy protection system. It doesn't say anything about you know, whether or not you're doing it for a good reason or not. It just says, you know, even if it's easy, even if, if you, even if there's a simple way to do it, the illegal part is doing it, you know. Right, because it's still a law. That, mm -hmm. uh -huh. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I could see why the ESA is going to side with the industry, the developers and publishers that are maybe opposed to people modifying their games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think it's I think it's a bit of a leap to just assume that that's always going to be the case. Um, you know, the I th- average person doesn't know how to do this stuff anyway. No, these are people. I mean, this applies to people who know something about this stuff. I think there's ways to redirect server traffic to yeah to uh, user run servers without yeah. hacking the console at sure. all. You could just do it, you know, through DNS substitutions or something like that. There's ways around it, uh, but this is going to be this is this is kind of making waves, and I think this is probably going to escalate. So we'll probably hear more Good. about this issue. All right. I don't expect this is just going to go away. Um, <clears throat> so, as part of this issue. The Xbox 360 apparently is getting an update. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about, you know, storing code for the hard drives and so on. Mm-hmm. So the Xbox 360 is going to get a two terabyte uh, drive support down the road. Wow. Apparently this has been previewed. It's crazy. They don't, they don't even know they still make, they're still supporting Xbox 360. Uh, yeah, sure. I guess Weird. the 360 is still making the money. Crazy. So uh, that's going to be added it's pretty soon. Two terabyte, soon. huh? Two terabytes, and then support for two external hard drives as well. So it'd be two terabyte internal? Uh, I guess external, because I don't think they officially support yeah, I don't think they swapping do. the okay. internal hard drive. Yeah. Um, maybe they'll make a, a drive for the 360 I mean, that big? Why not? I mean, they have, like, the library's huge. You can't use a third-party drive no. on the internal drive. No, but, you can't. But you can use external storage, apparently. Mm-hmm. So... That'll be coming soon for the 360 down the road. In mm-hmm. case you want to store all those Street Fighter updates on your drive, you'll have plenty of room now. I know this okay. was an issue for you recently, right? Were you? Well, I, yeah. Well, I'm on the Xbox Live Gold program, so they give you you know free games every month, right? And I mean, I have a super small. I have a hundred. Um, what I 120, I think. 120. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. And that, I mean that thing's maxed out a long time ago. Just Rock Band alone, mm-hmm. like it takes up like twenty percent of the drive. Right. So you know, I install one game on there, and then that's it. It's maxed out. Mm-hmm. And then all the indie stuff I download. So yeah. So like for instance, you know, Bioshock Infinite came out last month, and I missed the download. But even if I did download it, I couldn't because I'd have to just like attach it to my account. But I couldn't actually play it because there's nowhere to right. save it. How am I going to play it? Yeah, you don't have enough space. So, I mean, you know, granted, it's an old... You know, I have one of the first launch consoles, so... Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm sure. But even the newer ones, what do they give you, 500 gigabytes? I think that's no, the biggest one, yeah. a whole lot. Right. If they want us to embrace this digital era, they have to be a little bit more... <laughs> they have to ship with two terabyte drives from the get-go. They really do. I mean, they're so cheap. It's, like, ridiculous. That 60 bucks not. for a two terabyte these days. I mean, I, I like the PS4, I'm like... I can't believe there's only 500 gigabytes in this thing. Mm -hmm. What a joke. Yep. We'll see. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, how about YouTube? Why don't we talk a bit bit about YouTube? I like YouTube. Um, So, do you like YouTube enough to want to disable those ads? Those pesky ads that keep coming up every time you want to watch a video? Not really. I don't mind. You don't mind? No, because I usually have tabs open and I just switch to another tab while the ad's (laughs) playing. I don't care. Well, apparently... YouTube's got a new program coming that's going to allow subscribers to pay money to not see ads. Mm. Um, for 10 bucks a month, it's what it's, it's expected to be. Um, you can 
not only disable the ads, but also um, offline view videos. You can download videos mm, locally. Okay. I could do that already from my browser, but mm-hmm. maybe not legally. You could also block ads, too, if you <laughs> yeah. have the right plugins, I suppose. Um, but this is going to be a way to sort of, you know, compensate uh, content creators on YouTube. This is going to be shared, apparently. The revenue from this subscription is going to be shared with the yeah. content creators, and they're trying to get people to go on board with that. So. so so, the catch is, though, that the person who signs up for this, they have to make all their videos part of this program. They mm-hmm. can't just say, well, I'm just going to make one or two videos, and then mm-hmm. it's either all or none. You can't, you can't have both. You mm-hmm. can't have, like, ad support, and then also do this on the side. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I don't know if that's such a great idea, because... A lot of these guys, like the Markiplier and all these people, they rely on kids. Mm-hmm. I don't think kids are going to get, like, paid subscriptions to watch these people, you know? Right. A lot, and especially a lot of people, like, I don't know, I like, the way I look at YouTube, I view things at random. If I see something, like, on the side, like, I'll look at a video, and then I'll look on the side column and see, like, videos that are similar to that, and I usually just click, I don't, you know, if I see something that looks mm-hmm. familiar or interesting... And then I just, that's how I spend an hour on YouTube, like, easily, just doing that. Mm-hmm. And if it's paid, I'm not going to look at it, you know? Right. I can't think of too many sites, unless it's someone, like, I really follow and I'm into them. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine spending money for YouTube videos. I don't know. Mm. But the younger generation is a little different. Right. That's, like... My generation is still, like, into cable and Netflix and stuff. And some people don't even use Netflix. They're still, like, on regular cable. But young generation, like, YouTube is their source for, like, everything. Music and TV and everything. Mm -hmm. So I could see maybe in the next 10 years, that's kind of the direction maybe that they need to go in. Right. Yeah, well, this is probably just trying something else just to see what sticks. Mm. Um, They're probably feeling a little competition from... Twitch and Hulu and all yeah, the other yeah. video services that are out there. So, you know, some, and I'm sure some content creators are not happy with the revenue sharing that they're getting from YouTube currently. So they're willing to try something else. <laughs> so this is a way for them to maybe, you know, get higher numbers in and we'll see. We'll see if this sticks. Or the not. one thing I hate about those ads is when, especially on Facebook, if someone links a YouTube video mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, on Facebook, it's a little box. It doesn't expand. Right. At least on, you know, on my iPad, it doesn't. So when I look at it and then the ad pops up and the ad covers like three quarters of the screen because <laughs> the, like the, so the, the screen scales down, but the ad doesn't, it stays the same size mm-hmm. and it like blocks everything and you can't, and it's like, well, this is not a good viewing experience. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it certainly is not as clean as it used to be. I remember when YouTube didn't have such overbearing ads. They have a lot now, yeah. It's now it's really grown quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, it used to be that you didn't get it on mobile, and now that's obviously yeah. caught up. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some people are annoyed enough to want to get rid of them. Mm. We'll see. Uh, so I guess in relation to Google, since Google is a... You know, owns YouTube. We can talk about um, something that is available on Google Play or, as it turns out, not available on Google Play. Um, apparently, the game Postal was coming to Google Play for, I guess, for Android mm-hmm. platforms. But uh, most recently, uh, they turned it down and decided that there was excessive gratuitous violence mm. in the game. Yeah, so I was... 
I remember I, I worked at a game store when Postal came out, mm-hmm. and that was in '97. And I remember the the controversy about that game because it was like considered ultra violent. This was around the time it was after the Mortal Kombat debate mm-hmm. in, in Washington and right. stuff. But um, you know the whole thing about someone going postal and stuff, mm-hmm. and and then there was like um, you know this was I think the Clinton era, and they had uh, to. Pro- uh, was it Tipper Gore who was for that? Was that before? Well, there was that. That was a big like decade for. That was, well, that was uh, Jack Thompson, the famous attorney, right? Who was yes. Trying to prosecute all the violent games. And Postal was a big game for the time, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a PC to play it, so I always wanted to try it. And I was like, oh, I don't know why. You know, I looked at the back of the box, and it's just these like little pixels, and it's like it's mostly tongue in cheek, though. It's like you know, it's it's violent, but it's violent in um, you know, in one of those like overly humorous dark humor ways you mm. know but it wasn't like you would look at it and be like oh my god this is i can't even look at this it's disgusting mm-hmm. you know it well, wasn't like that violent right yeah i mean the developer running with scissors mm-hmm. which obviously is not a safe thing to do but <laughs> that's part of the well, joke i guess their name yeah uh, they uh they point out they're like they you know they said on twitter they're like hey guys <laughs> you say we're we've got gratuitous violence but meanwhile, meanwhile you're willing to publish the gta games which has always been the poster child for... Well, that's like realistic violence, too. Sure, yeah. I mean, they've always been chastised for for violence in games as well. So why the double standard? Why why is Postal too violent, yeah, yeah. but GTA isn't? So they're kind of... Uh, they screwed up Calling somewhere. them out a bit. They screwed up. Um, Apple does that sometimes. They'll, they'll ban it. But, you know, say, oh, we're not going to prove this, and then... Right. Well, unlike Apple... Uh, They'll be able to publish this game through other channels. It's not going to be banned from Android completely. They'll be able to go... They just won't be in the Google Play Store, but they'll be able to publish it. Yeah. Either I, on I, their own site yeah. or through Humble Bundle or somebody like that. Yeah, that's the good thing about Android is you can... Mm-hmm. You know, those APKs will work outside of the Google Play Store. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I don't know. Is this a game that you're going to be looking for? Not really, no. Yeah, I lost interest. It's like enough time has gone by at this point mm-hmm. i don't really have any interest in going back to check that out right well how about a kart racer uh i do not like kart racers <laughs> so I'm not a fan so your angry birds go is not on any of your devices actually it is <laughs> Aha. so it it's is on my android and my ios device amazing but you know why it's on there because it's free that's a good reason that's fine. You might as well try and it. And it's Angry Birds. I like the Angry Birds games. Mm-hmm. I know that's, you know, they have a reputation of, you know, people kind of played out. I think but they're pretty good, but... They've always been pretty good games. You know, not all of them have been great, but yeah. I like them. It's um, it's interesting, though, because uh, a recent uh, mention from... Uh, I think there's a recent tweet from, uh, from Rovio, the company that makes the Angry Birds games. Okay. Uh, they mentioned that... Their kart racer game, Angry Birds Go, has been downloaded more times than Mario Kart has been sold. Wow. So, Angry Birds Go has gotten 130 million downloads to date. In just the two years. In two years, since 2013. Okay. Meanwhile, Mario Kart, since 1992, has had 106 million copies sold. Wow. So, in 23 years, they still surpassed... In, in just the two years that it's been out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's a free game, so how can you even... 
Right. So, I mean, people who just download everything just because it's free. That's exactly it. I mean, it's a bold statement to try to make to say, hey, guys, look how relevant we are and look how successful we are. We've been downloaded 130 million times. And what is that? Does that count people who played it, deleted it, and then said, oh, you know what? I'll play that again and go download it again? And how does that work? I'm not sure how those metrics are done. Hmm. I mean, I have. I have like six Android devices. You know, if I install it on four of them, does that count as four downloads? Even though it's same, the same owner, same account, same yeah. account. I don't know how that works. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's like kind of, you know, how are you fudging the numbers here with mm-hmm. this? Right. My biggest question is how much money did you make on your in-app purchases? That's probably a, f- a more fair comparison to make. And now that you know, 130 million people have this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. My guess is they might have exceeded. The money and just knowing how how big the in-app purchase market is, they might have made more money than Merit Card. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I guess free-to-play games are not people's favorite topic. They think it's probably undermining the the games industry in some ways. Yeah, yeah. But it's scaring a lot of gamers. But it is it is gamers. a good way to get games in front of people. It's no doubt that it is effective. It's here to stay. It is definitely the future of mm. gaming. Now you mentioned you've got four different devices that you can download these games to. Mm-hmm. But what if I told you that you can even run Android on your browser on your computer? Um. I like that idea, actually. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> so, apparently... Um, How do I do it? Well, I guess there's uh, there's something called, uh, you oh. know, uh, ARC, or App Runtime for Chrome. And this hmm. is going to be a way to uh, run APKs right on Google Chrome. I'm going to have to look into this. So, I'd be interested in this, because there are definitely times where I want to be able to run a game... Mm. Alongside my Transformers Legends, maybe uh, perhaps, <laughs> some, perhaps some card games. <laughs> perhaps that could be the first example that comes to mind. Um, and but, can you have four versions of it running at once? Well, right now they say that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it says that it it runs. It originally, it was limited to just one app. Period, and now you can apparently run multiple apps. At the same time? Like, what, would you um, mean? what do you mean multiple? Well, just like it was dedicated to one app, the instance. But apparently now you can run oh, more than one yeah. app at a time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't see myself. I mean, I'd like to just test it out, just to see what it's like. But I don't see myself ever needing to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, this is just another option. Mm. So if that's something that you want to be able to do, let's say you don't own an Android device at all. Yeah, no, that, that's that's where I was thinking. That would be where it comes in, where it'd mm-hmm. be pretty cool. If you were one of those, you know, all Apple households. Yeah, yeah, right. Then, you know, this would be another way to run it if you needed to. So that's pretty cool. I like that idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, one more thing. Mm. Now, recently you mentioned... Uh, Casey Munchkin, if you recall. <laughs> Did I? This came up in our discussion during... Uh, a good memory. <laughs> well, we were talking about retro consoles and, uh-huh. you know, these Retron-type devices that you that handle multiple systems. And why isn't there a system that can play yeah, why isn't the there? old, old consoles? I know. I know. It should be. It should be. Maybe somebody mm. is working on that. That bothers me. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned, like, hey, maybe I want to play Casey Munchkin. But apparently... There's a new Casey Munchkin game that 
I had no idea. So this existed. is why we need to. This is why the companies don't want you to be able to play these old games. Mm-hmm. So like people like this can make new ones and say, <laughs> "See, you can't play the old Casey Munchkin anymore." So I'm just going to make a new one, and this is the one you have to buy. Well. This is a whole new game. This isn't even a remake of the old one. Oh, okay. This is called Casey Returns. Ah, you know, I was just about to say that as a joke. <laughs> I was going to say Casey Munchkin Returns. Okay. Well, this is this is by Ed Averett. This is by, by the original, the original yeah. uh, coder and creator of Casey Munchkin. Um, apparently, he's got a new game, and it's on... Uh, the Windows App Store of all places, mm, cutting edge. Okay, yeah. So apparently, you can uh, you can download this for free on Windows eight platforms, uh, and I guess maybe Windows Phone as well. Hmm. Okay. Um, and it's a totally different game. It it I guess uses the Casey Munchkin character, but this is a whole new oh, type he didn't of game. Sell out Casey Munchkin, did he? <laughs> is he just? in on the Casey brand. This apparently is... In a brand new game. This is a very interesting game because... Like, we're going to give you a matching three game and have Casey Munchkin on there. Kids remember Casey Munchkin, well, right? Well, <laughs> I, think, I think there is actually a children's book that's associated with the Casey Munchkin, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There really is a, a, a kid's book that's got Casey in it. That's weird. Uh Listen, I don't make this up. Well, so wait, so was the original game based on the kids' book, or the kids' book came after? Uh, alongside. It, Let's say it's alongside this new game. Get out of here. Uh, was it Casey Munchkin in response to Pac-Man? That was like a Pac-Man It sure seemed like it. I always thought that was the thing about that, the controversy. And- now, the, the Casey character in this game looks a lot like the uh, artwork that's on the cover for the Odyssey 2 game. Mm. Um... But this time he's like floating in space in a bubble, but it, it's really that he's down on the microscopic level. So he's like zapping atoms and stuff and forcing the atoms to fall into place onto a strand of DNA that's alongside wow. the screen. this is like high tech stuff going on. Yeah, apparently this is almost like an educational title. And- I, I really don't, I'd really like what's, to get more information about the backstory. What's Ed doing over there? What's, is Ed all right? What's... what's- <laughs> um, talk with this guy. So I'd say try this game out and see what you make of it. Did you try it? Uh, I did try it. Yeah, I tried to figure out what was going on. Um, uh, you know, you, you sent me the link and I clicked on it and I was on the Mac, so it didn't work. Nothing mm-hmm. happened. Right. It's. I think it said you must be on Windows to use this. Right. So right. I, I didn't. Couldn't. I'll have to, but I have a PC over here, so maybe I can. He's apparently willing to take feedback on this game, so oh. maybe you should try it out and see what you think. <laughs> you could give him a piece of your mind if you're so inclined. Uh, maybe. We'll see. But um, I was very surprised to see this, and it's kind of... Uh, yeah, that is weird and kind of funny. But um, I don't know. I'm going to try it again and see if I can understand it a little more. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the one image screen capture, and I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. It looks like a Robotron, maybe, or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's, like, atoms flying around, and you're trying to zap them into the DNA, but there's, like, kind of intricate rules here at play. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't really mm-hmm. get every part of it, but um, it's good to know that there's follow-ups to classic Odyssey 2 titles being made. What was that 
that role-playing one that you put the overlay on the keyboard. Uh, was that like the Lord of the Rings or something? It was called Quest for the Rings. Oh, I Quest for the Rings. That was cool. Yeah. I remember my, my friend had that because I didn't own an Odyssey, but yeah. he did. Odyssey 2. And he had that game. And I remember when I went over his house, it was like I had Atari and he had that. Like, honestly. And... And, but I thought it was cool because I liked adventure on the on the Atari and right. I saw that box and the artwork was awesome on it. Sure. And I was like, holy, this is amazing. So we played it and it was kind of like, oh, I don't really know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is game. I never I never seen it in action either. I didn't. I did have one friend that I, had I, Odyssey too. Yeah, I don't remember understanding it. I think I was a little too young. Yeah, I didn't know what was uh, what the point of I it was. I ended up saying, oh, let's play that helicopter game where you pick up the guy and bring him to the top of the building, whatever mm-hmm. that was. Mm-hmm. I think that one I understand. Fun stuff. Yeah, I like the Odyssey. Quirky <laughs> little system. <laughs> For sure. Well, I guess we're running a bit long this time, so we could probably wrap it up. All right. Uh, anything else on your uh, end? I have no news myself. All right. Um, other than that, we will be back again next week. Mm-hmm. And um, if anyone wants to leave us feedback on this episode or any past episode, feel free. You know, we're on Facebook, our Brooklyn Bites. You can also email us, obbfeedback at gmail.com. Expertly delivered, as usual. And if you have any other thing to add. That's it for me. All right. So we are out of here. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.